Amen. You may be seated at this time is what I would usually say. So I'm going to say it, assuming that maybe you are standing at your home uh, worshiping with us. And uh, I will say this. Um, we're in the sanctuary, as you can see. And there is a total of, ready for this, seven of us. Seven people in the building right now. And I will say, as I look out over these empty chairs, um, I miss you. I sincerely miss you. And I, I can look at certain parts of the sanctuary and, and memory. Uh, my re- recollection tells me where some of you usually sit. And, and I uh, miss seeing your faces there today. But uh, hopefully, as I've been saying, we've been saying that you are doing well through this time. And uh, we want to do our best to help meet needs where we can. Definitely want to pray for you. So any prayer requests you would have, make sure you contact the church via Facebook. Call the phone. Uh, send an email. You can go to thebridgechurchidaho.com. Click on the email as well. There's plenty of ways to stay connected. So I pray that uh, you are doing safe and doing well. This morning... I'm starting a four-part series that I will be uh, preaching the next two Sundays and Wednesdays, meaning that I'm going to start today with part one. Wednesday night at seven, I'm going to do part two, and then next Sunday, part three, and the following Wednesday will be part four, because uh, coming up on that Sunday will be uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday. So we're going to do this series in the next uh, uh, two weeks, a four-part series, and the series is called Signs of the Times. Signs of Jesus's, of his return, the return of Jesus, or the end of the age. I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to return to this series that I preached back in 2014. Uh, just took some of it, but I've changed a lot of it to fit uh, our, uh, our current events. And I feel very compelled to look at these notes, to look at these scriptures again in light of what's happening in our world. So we're, we're going to be doing that, uh, looking at the current events and compare them to what the Bible tells us. We're going to be looking at the very words of Jesus spoken and found in Matthew chapter 24 as our reference for this series. Today we're going to be in a lot of different scriptures, so uh, get ready to either turn there, write them down, take notes as we go through this. Now, ever, I have to say, ever since the church began, there, there have been those who have uh, uh, been convinced that the signs were right for Jesus' return in their, in their generation. I want you to listen to a quote from, from 1995. Okay, remember that as I read this. From 1995 by Albert Peake. He's a man who has been preaching on Bible prophecy uh, for well over 60 years. Again, this is, was in 1995. This is what he says. He says, I began preaching on the signs 60 years ago when there were very few that you could uh, actually see. Today, there are, they are everywhere. I am, so, I am no longer looking for signs. I am listening for sounds. The sounds of a trumpet blast and the shout of an archangel. You can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4. He's no longer looking, at sign, looking for signs. He's listening for a sound. And that, again, that was back in 1995. Now please understand, as disciples of Jesus, it should be a part of our walk to watch for signs of his second coming. Because his return for us is the great is the great hope the Bible teaches. It, it is often referred to as the blessed hope. 
And I also know that this topic can be met with with fear, perhaps probably more than ever right now as we're in the middle of a pandemic. It can be met with fear. It can also have a lot of, uh, of anxiety, some confusion and, uh, and, and uncertainty of how we are to respond. So as we spend the next two weeks in this series, I hope to bring some clarity as we look at a few of these things. And the first one we're going to start with today is signs that point to our generation And then we're going to look at signs in nature on Wednesday night. Next Sunday, we're going to look at signs in society. And then the following Wednesday, we're going to look at signs against the church and signs in the church. So with that being uh, said, let's start today by looking at Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35. And Jesus is speaking here. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. He says in verse 34, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, for your word, your living, breathing word uh, of God. We thank you that we can turn to it for comfort. We thank you, God, that we can turn to it and not just be hearers of the word, but we can be doers of the word. And I pray right now today that you would quicken our hearts and minds to receive uh, what your word says, God, and we would not receive it with fear or anxiety, but we would receive it Lord, with a zeal and a passion, God, to do greater things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus tells us in this parable of the fig tree that as his return nears, the generation of people living at that time will see, uh, will see the signs. So the big question this morning is, what generation is Jesus talking about? We're going to look more at the signs and stuff in the weeks to come. But let's look and try to understand what generation is Jesus talking about? You see, I truly believe the topic we need to understand before we go back uh, into Matthew chapter 4, this topic of the generation uh, is, is very important. And, and it is also something that Jesus is pointing out, and it's specific. So we need to look at it. Understand, we, we may have the signs we will see uh, Jesus mention, right? We may have some of those present, and they have been present in every generation since the time of Jesus. There's been signs that he mentions earlier on in, in Matthew 24. They've, they've always been around. So it's not as easy as, as you would think to just start marking off all the signs like, like a to-do list, and then, and then here he comes, right? It's not that simple. I believe God is calling every generation to be ready and not complacent. We can look at all the signs with, with, uh, uh, with other biblical prophecies to see that the fig tree in our generation may, may be about to bear fruit of his return. All right? Maybe. The fact is God gave us a complete a complete Bible, right? The complete Word of God. So we, we can't just pick and choose these different things and, and point to things. We have the whole Word of God, and that's what we're going to look at today as we look at the possible generation that could see uh, the bearing of the fruit 
of the fig tree of his return, right? So we can find a lot of supporting information and more clues for what many Christian writers call the, the terminal generation of Christians. That is the Christians who live in the time when his second coming is close. Before we look at the, uh, a few of those places in the Bible, I want to remind us, remind all of us that these are general signs of the times of his return. And we, and we by no means, and please hear me today, by no means should attempt to identify a day or a time uh, from the clues of what we see in the Bible. Pastor Jay is not standing up here and saying today that in two weeks at such and such a time that Jesus is going to come back. We can't do that. The Bible clearly says only, only, the, only the Father in heaven knows the day or the time when his return will take place. We also do, do not want to look at, at our Bible uh, references that we're going to look at with such a narrow focus that we begin to see all the uh, events around us and, and, and definite signs of his return, right? Christians throughout the ages have tended to do that and lost sight of the fact that our awareness of his imminent return is not, into, it's not an intellectual exercise, right? But more of a reason for each of us to pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus in word and deed, to walk with him so that we are ready at all times to meet him. See, that's the way we need to look at that as we, as we move forward today. This isn't to look at signs of the times and, and are we the generation and then walk in fear, fearing, oh no, Jesus is going to come back. This is a time where we, we should look at this and say, now is the day to pick up my cross and walk with Jesus more and more as his day is approaching. So I pray that as we look at this today, that in light of the pandemic and, and the fears that some people already have, that they're not going to take this and be more fearful. Because we don't need to be that. And that's what we'll get to at the end. So we're going to look at signs of the times from some of the prophets that help us see how we, how we very well could be the generation that witnesses his return. So when we think of Old Testament prophecies about the day of the Lord's return, the prophet Daniel is one of the first who comes to mind, right? Daniel. Daniel gives us an interpretations, right, throughout his book. He gives us interpretations of his own visions which accurately predict the course of human governments in the times to come. Reading the entire book of Daniel, you can see the accuracy of what he had to say uh, some 2,500 years ago to the events which then took place in history. Today we will focus on just one short passage from, from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. It says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So this short passage tells us three facts about a generation that could see Jesus return. First, some details are not revealed, right? This is consistent with Jesus' teaching that we will not know the day or the hour until, it, until he actually returns. So some of the things that he saw were sealed up. Second, people will be moving about with ease, going to and fro. 
Now that's happening in our country, in our state. I mean, when you think of just the fact that the coronavirus started in China with one person and how quickly it has spread around the world, and to this date they say that it can only be spread, right, by, by contact, that it's not an airborne disease is what they're telling us now. So if you think about this to and fro, look at how much travel has taken place and how quickly it is, it's moved around. In January, I just think about how quickly uh, I left Idaho Falls and a few hours later, right, five or six hours later, um, minus some airport delays, but if it would have been a straight through, within five or six hours, I'm standing in the Bahamas. So to and fro, we get it. Just a few hours, I can leave here, what, in three hours, be downtown Salt Lake City and a whole different culture, a whole different temperature just within a few hours. So we we can see this, this travel of how we can travel to and fro in an instant. Third, and this is what I want to focus on for a moment, the time of his return will be a time when there will be, uh, will, will be marked out in, in an increase of knowledge. In the Hebrew text, it has the meaning, this word knowledge, it has the meaning of more like an, an explosion of knowledge, understanding, and learning. So in the Hebrew text of this, this word, it is really telling us in the end there will be just an explosion. Knowledge will, will just come on the scene and explode all around us more than ever before. So the picture Daniel gives us of a generation that will see the return of Jesus, right, gives us of the generation that will see the return of Jesus is one of a generation of people during a time of vastly increased knowledge. And it may be that, be that way as he described in our time. Listen to part of this article called Knowledge Doubling Curve, written by David Russell. I'm just going to read just a very, very small part of it. But while creating the knowledge curve, he, David, noticed that until the 1900s, human knowledge doubled approximately every century. About every 100 years, our knowledge would increase, uh, you know, double about every 100 years. By the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. So where is this, this heading, the increase of knowledge? According to IBM, the build out of the internet, uh, the internet of things, we will lead to the doubling of knowledge every 12 hours, and we may have hit that point. Knowledge is increasing. Just look, you know, I can read that article and everything, but let's put it into, por- uh, into perspective. Think of it this way. In the past 100 years, there has been a literal explosion of the increase of knowledge. The invention of electricity, automobiles, airplanes, and computers have all taken place. Now, I know my, my mother is probably watching, and, and uh, our, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, excuse me, who went home to be with the Lord at the age of 98, she was born in 1892. And I remember as a young guy, I remember listening to her stories of how they traveled across the U.S. in those old car, cars and the, the roads weren't even paved. So they were always dealing with getting stuck and in the mud. And, and uh, we can't even fathom that. But it wasn't that long ago. 
She shared, I remember her sharing how they, how the invention of the electric elevator changed everything. And we take just, just that one invention, the increase of knowledge, just think of how that changed a culture before before elevators were around the, the rich people people well well off would live on the lower levels the street levels um, because they didn't want to walk the stairs so the poorer people would have to walk the stairs and go to the top they had the great views they they were virtually living in the penthouses at the time but but it was hard to get there and then when the invention of the elevator came into place culture changed People well off, then they began to live on the upper levels because they could get there and have the great views, and so it flipped. You see, the increase of knowledge, technology, technology changes, changes culture, and that's just one way. I want you to look at some of the top innovations between uh, the year 2000 just to the present. Right, we know that GPS came out in, in 2000. Well, it, was, it, go, it went public in 2000. Before that, it wasn't for the public. It went from, it went from our cars. Remember the little, the little GPS we had in our cars? Now, the, those are ancient. And now they're just on, on our phones, which we'll talk about in a minute. A GPS. I can't even remember now how to find any place without my GPS. In 2000, October of 2000, AT&T became the first to offer instant text messaging. I can't even remember now a time without texting. In 2003, they had the, uh, the Friendster kicks off the first social network revolution, right? Facebook followed in 2004, and now here you are on Facebook watching a live message. In August of 2004, Google goes public, makes searching online a, w- a way of life. How can we, uh, almost every day you hear somebody say, Google it, Google it, right? We, we have knowledge in an instant. In 2007, Apple iPhone inter- introduced a smartphone. And the world, as we know it, has changed forever, Right? I mean, I don't even know why we call it a phone anymore. We carry little miniature computers around in our pockets. Smart devices then make, uh, make their way on the scene, right? Everything from Alexa and Echo to, uh, to the control of our, our home lighting, thermostats, doorbells, etc. I'll be, I'll be right back. She came on. Let's have a little bit of fun this morning as we're looking about how fast knowledge ha- has increased. Just look at this, uh, I won't say her name yet, but look at her. We all have one in our home. I remember when we first got one, how much fun it used to be. But even now, we've kind of just kind of gotten used to, to this little sweetheart, I'll call her. Right? We all know this one. Some of you have Echo, Google, whatever they're called. But this is called Alexa. Hello, Alexa. See, she's a sweetheart. Hi. Hope you're having a good weekend. What a greeting. But we, technology, I, I, we can ask, I know sometimes I like to get up and before I go to bed, I say, Alexa, joke. Alexa, joke. She's, me and Alexa have this thing. Joke. Alexa, Joke. 
Why don't people eat clocks? It's too time consuming. All seven of us are laughing in here. But see, I, I'm going to ask her some more questions. The thing is, is technology. I, I can ask her the weather. And I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to, to the phone on the wall and pick it up and maybe dial a number and we would get a, a weather report, right? Alexa, weather. Currently, in Idaho Falls, it's 41 degrees Fahrenheit with partly sunny skies. Today, you can expect clouds and showers with a high of 50 degrees and a low of 33 degrees. I bet none of you knew you were going to get a weather report today from me, did you? We can ask her to do so many things. Alexa, call Cindy. Calling Cindy Spangenberg's mobile. Good morning, pom-pom. Yes. Instantly, there's my wife. Uh, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. What are you doing? Just watching you, handsome. Yes, she's watching me. Alexa, hang up. <laughs> but do we get the point? I, I know this is a silly illustration, but do we get the point of how far technology has advanced? This is an incredible thing, and I've gotten so used to it, it's almost lost... It's, it's luster, I guess. It's almost like you're looking for the new and greatest thing, but just look at what we can do within an instant right there at our fingertips. Whoever would have thought years ago uh, that you would be able to do this. Now, <clears throat> I'm an unplugger. Probably the best thing about Alexa is I can unplug her. Amen? But I want to talk a little bit more about this innovations, increase of knowledge. SpaceX reusable rocket. In December of 2015, uh, they sent a rocket off, right? They, they launched a rocket off, Falcon 9, uh, Falcon 9. They sent this rocket off. It delivered a payload. And the back end of the rocket, when I was a kid, or not too long ago, it would come back and fall in the ocean and they would retrieve it. Now it comes back and literally lands on the pad that it launched from. If you've never seen that, you need to YouTube it today. It is, it is incredible what knowledge has, has, how it is increasing rapidly. Just think of how far we have come with video games, television sets. I mean, who could ever imagine an 82-inch flat screen television hanging on our walls back in the day? Uh, you know, let's don't forget what we are able to do with drones. You know, someone is always watching. Do you see the increase of knowledge in our generation is expounding rapidly? Please understand, there, there has been no generation in the history of man that has seen such changes and changes at such a rapid rate. So, what we can apply from Daniel chapter 12, 4, in light of Jesus' words in Matthew 24, is that we, indeed, may be the generation that will not pass before Jesus returns. But there is more. Again, back to the Bible, and another look at some prophecy that I believe point to our generation. Uh, I understand most of the Old Testament prophets dwell on the rebirth of Israel as a nation, the regathering of the dispersed 
Jewish people to the land of Israel and Israel regaining control of the city of Jerusalem from the Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. I want to focus on one of these prophecies from Jeremiah. Now, I know many of you have heard this before, but this is one of the, the sticking points that we really need to understand about watching the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 7 and 8. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. Then they will live in their own land. Excuse me one minute. She's driving me crazy. The rebirth of the nation of Israel under control of the Jews who have returned to their land is key in understanding the time in which Jesus will return. The Jewish people lost their homeland in A.D. 70 when the Romans destroyed the temple and drove most of the Jews out of their land. Then in 1948, for the first time since A.D. 70, the nation of Israel came back into existence after 16, uh, excuse me, after over 1,800 years. This has never happened in, in the recorded history of mankind, a very significant event in history, which was foretold that it would happen. You see, another prophetic passage also addresses this issue in Luke chapter 21. Jesus is speaking. He says, they will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Speaking of the Jewish people. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This passage refers to the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel by the Romans, uh, which took place about 40 years after Jesus spoke these words. And the last part of verse 24 that I just read is an interesting prophecy because it singles out Jerusalem. The times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. That is, it comes to an end when Jesus returns. This prophecy, of verse 24, indicates Jerusalem will be back under Jewish control at the time of his return. Even after Israel came back into existence in 1948, Jerusalem uh, remained under Muslim, that that's the term means non-Jews, the Gentiles, remained under their control, the city of Jerusalem. But Israel did regain control of Jerusalem in the Six-Day War of 1967. Even though the Jewish people don't have complete control of Jerusalem, meaning if you get to visit there, the Temple Mount, the Muslims still control that area. But we see this prophetic, uh, these prophetic messages being foretold hundreds, thousands of years before they took place. Today, the political control of Jerusalem is perhaps the most important issue between the Israels and the Palestinians, right? With one nation of Israel uh, determines never, Israel determined never to give it up again. They're not, they're not going anywhere, and God also promises that, that they are back to stay. 
I want to look at a, one more Bible prophecy that I believe our generation can understand as we look at our world. For this prophecy, we need to return to, we need to turn to Revelation chapter 11. The generations from times past had a hard time understanding how this could take place. That's why I want to look at today. It's in Revelation 11 verses 7 through 9. It's the, it's the passage of scripture that talks about the two witnesses. And this is going to talk about the tribulation. And we're going to talk more about this in the few uh, weeks to come. Get more uh, on this tribulation thing. But for this, I just want you to look at this and how the generation before us had a problem understanding how this could take place. Revelation 11, verse 7 through 9. Now when they have finished their testimony, talking about the two witnesses, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their, their land was, their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribes, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. This is part of the, the generations before us. They read this and, and uh, they didn't understand how everybody would be able to see these witnesses lying in the street all around uh, the world. It seems from this description that all parts of the world will have visual access to Jerusalem and will watch the bodies of the two witnesses a fact which is possible in our times because of satellite television, right? As well as live social media. See, this is something you and I can understand. I think of even when my wife went to Israel. And she would call me right there from the hotel at night, face to face, through Facebook. We understand now how this could take place. You see, so there... There you have just a few Bible prophecies that deal with the return of Jesus and what, what, will, what will be taking place in terms of the generation living at the time. Jesus said, the generation will be able to recognize the signs that the time is near. Practically every generation since the time Jesus walked among us some 2,000 years ago, have, spe have speculated that his return is imminent. But if we look at prophecies and compare them to our time, we should be compelled to take notice. We should be compelled to take notice. Daniel, if you come up, that would be great. As I said in the beginning of our time this morning, all these things can bring fear, anxiety, and confusion. I want to say this. Be of good cheer. Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. He has given us something to do as we watch and wait for his return. Again, I, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to return because of the coronavirus. It's going to happen now. But I am saying be of good cheer and we need to be watching. We need to look at uh, uh, signs, right? The generational signs are so compelling to us. And the fact is, 
These are probably some of the most exciting times in the history of mankind. I can only imagine if Jesus called us home right now, his return is imminent. They, they call it the rapture. and We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. Being part of his plan in such a time as this, he's given us something to do. Don't live in fear. If you're a believer, a born-again disciple of Jesus, Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a better place for you. It would be much better than this place we're in now. So don't have fear. And know and understand that he has given us something to do as we watch and wait for his return. I'm going to read to you a very popular scripture. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, it's been given to Jesus, meaning that if you believe in Jesus, you're a born-again disciple of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you, He is in you, He has all authority that's been given to, to Him, and now He's basically saying here, it's been given to me, now live with this authority, live with this power. So then he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's so much happening there in that scripture. He is with us always. He's giving us power. He's given us something to do. And that is not to sit at home and live in fear. Yes, be at home now so we can put this virus to rest, right? To do our part. But reach out to your friends. Reach out to your family. Tell them. If they're in fear, let them know they don't need to be in fear and introduce them to Jesus, perhaps. Such a time as this. I believe the Lord is telling us that this is the beginning of the revival that the church has been praying for. He's shaking people to, to search out and reach out and to know God. Those of us that do proclaim to be followers of Christ, to repent of things in our life, to, to, to get in our faces before the Lord, to pray, to ask God to draw us closer to Him more than ever before. And if you don't know Jesus and you hear a message like this and, and you become fearful... You want me to tell you what you do with that? Become a born-again disciple of Jesus. Say the sinner's prayers. It's so simple to say it. Just make it come from your heart, though. Just tell the Lord, I'm sorry. Saying that, you know, you're, you're a sinner. I'm sorry for the things that I've done against you, Lord, and I've done against others. Just, just say that out loud. Lord, I, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner, God. I, I've, I've fallen away from you who are a holy and just God who, who knows no sin, Lord, and I recognize that. And then you just say, thank you. God, thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, who shed his blood. And because he did that, there is a way back into a relationship with you that you will you will look at me when I when I say this prayer that I that I that I repent that I say I'm sorry and then I thank you for your son Jesus you will then look at me through the blood of the cross and you will see my sin no more <laughs> and then you say now please lord come into my life 
Come into my life. Transform me. Lord, help me to get up every day to pick up my cross, to walk with you, to follow your teachings, to follow and obey what you have called us to do in such a time as this in the history of man. And Lord, I pray that you would fill every born-again disciple of Jesus with great joy in such a time as this, that you would fill us with joy. People would see us and go, what? What's your deal? The world's, the world's falling apart all around us. Oh my, oh my. And that they would see joy in us and go, well, what's your deal? And say, I have Jesus in me. I, I don't have to fear anything because God is in me. He's prepared a better place. Someday I'm going to go there and we may see Jesus come in our lifetime in this generation. Get excited, church. Get excited. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that your word is true. We can see through biblical prophecy, things that were foretold, how they've come to pass. We can see the increase of knowledge traveling to and from all these things. The just incredible things that I've just seen in my lifetime. Things changing at a, at a fast pace. But God, your word never changes. You never change. Your word is still relevant for today. And I pray that you would fill us with joy. I pray for those that don't know you. They would, they would say the sinner's prayer today, God. And that they would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, spirit coming in them as the word of God says. You mark us with a seal as we become believers and their life would be changed. Thank you for this time today, God. I ask your blessing and your safety upon your people, upon our community, our nation, the world, Lord. I pray, God, that we would see a, a mighty move of your spirit and we none of us would be the same. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, church. We love you guys. And uh, hopefully we will see you uh, 9.30 in the morning, our daily connection, Wednesday night and next week. We'll talk to you soon. God bless.